0: We're listening to The Week Ahead Podcast from Strong Towns, hosted by me, Rachel Quedno. This is your chance to catch up on the latest events and goings-on behind the scenes of the Strong Towns organization. Tune in every Monday for more updates. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Week Ahead Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel, and my guest today is Chuck Marone. Chuck, how are you doing today?
1: Pretty good. Thanks for asking.
0: So you've had a lot of events recently that I want to get uh, the details on. Mostly, I want to hear about the Akron event since I was planning to go but didn't get to go because of lots of flight delays. So how did that one yeah. go?
1: Slacker. Um, no you you were a slacker. You missed a lot. You missed a lot of fun stuff. I get this call. Like, oh, it's the weather. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. We got weather here in Minnesota too, and I, I made it. <laughs>
0: i know i shouldn't have i should have booked a direct flight that was my mistake i think that was your it's hard though we have we're a smaller airport so there's not a lot of direct. that was flights your uh,
1: rookie travel mistake right you always yeah. book the direct flight and then you always try to book the um the earlier uh you know so you've if you do have to do connections right. Like and there's still flexibility yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. I always wind up flying through Atlanta a lot just because I fly Delta. And I always you know, there'll be like three different uh flights in for the one connection out. And unless yeah. it's unless it's like a horribly bad time, I will try to take the, the one that gives me like the most flexibility. Um just because, you know, I'd rather spend an extra hour in Atlanta airport actually. Um, cause I figured out where to go and work and do all that stuff. Then I would, um, you know, miss the flight and then be stuck there. Yuck. So, uh, yeah. So I went to Akron. I went without you. Um, what a, what a, what a great time. I mean, first of all, do you know the name of the venue that we were in? It was like the state theater or something Civic like that. Theater, Civic yeah. theater. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. I mean, that was ridiculous. That was. It looked beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I think Beautiful does it like an injustice because it it really, I mean, what you're talking about when you walk into a place like that, you just get a grasp of the massive amount of wealth that at one point existed in a city like Akron. Um, Yeah. This is a theater you not see really anywhere else in the country. I mean, when we were in Detroit for CNU, uh, the big opera house there was, was like this. I mean, but, but bigger on a, on a bigger scale. Um, but it was the old school, you know, incredibly ornate, huge chandeliers, right. all this stuff. Um, just the level of detail in the Akron theater. Uh, you know, the, I, I went up, the second floor was closed, but they let me go up and look around. So I went up mm-hmm. to the balconies and I was just, it. it is, it just is mind blowing. And again, I'll just reiterate: it's representative of the wealth that was there at one point. And here's here's I think kind of the the sad thing or the um, counterintuitive thing: we equate that wealth with like this period of industrialization. We equate that wealth with the jobs, and we equate that wealth with you know a. Uh, the outsourcing of jobs now, and the outsourcing of you know this industrial capacity, that is not at all w- what I'm talking about. I, you, you actually had a pattern of living, a pattern of of of, of being that used that well that wealth coming into the community certainly, but used it to basically create an endowment. Um, you know, not only theaters, but these massive buildings, these you know great historic ornate structures. Um, they built a ton of wealth. And I think one of the tragedies of the post-World War II development pattern is that we looked at that as wealth to be essentially mined. Um, mm-hmm. You know, mined or, or or you know, discounted in a way. Um, you know, Akron, like every other city post-World War II in North America, uh, spent all their money, all their resources, all their energy building further out on the edge. And they have, in a sense, robbed or or mined or bought down uh, that wealth that was built up in the core and in the core neighborhoods for the sake of this short-term growth strategy. And to see it kind of in such you know hyper reality in that theater just really drove home exactly what we're doing there. Um, we're trying to help them see and understand and value and recapture. That historic wealth that really still exists in a huge way um, throughout the entire you know the entire neighborhood and, and and not only the core downtown but the surrounding neighborhoods and other neighborhoods throughout the city that have mm-hmm. you know been undervalued and underappreciated
0: so you gave a presentation there and then I know met with some local leaders and things um, and I think some strong towns members too so kind of a busy. 24 hours or so.
1: We had a great meetup at the end. I mean, just packed with people, but yeah, throughout the day, throughout the day, just getting to um, meet with people, chat, see some of the neighborhoods and tour them. I did a lot of press stuff during the day, which was important, but you know, to get out and actually walk the street and get some of the stories, of people who are doing fantastic things. I mean, we, I, I came back and kind of downloaded with you a bunch of stuff that uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to us kind of being able to highlight, but I'll give you just one that there, there's a, there was a, a pop-up uh, music shop for lack of a better word. I think they had a term they used for it. Um, but basically like a bar that was in an old historic building that they were looking at tearing down, uh, the person who owned it was going to tear it down and, and basically turn it into a parking lot for other buildings around there. And it was just such a funky building with some great character to it. And the neighborhood, um, you know, not only the people who live there, but people from outside who really care about this kind of artsy music kind of neighborhood. Came in and with their own free time, and uh, they told me five thousand dollars total of of, of materials uh, rehab this place. Um, and they run it if, if frequently, not not every day, but they run it a couple few times a month um, mm-hmm. to highlight local musicians and local artists. And you know, it's volunteers running it, volunteers uh, playing at it. Um, you know, they sell like local beer. Uh, that they bring in for the event. It, it's uh, it's a really cool kind of thing. And what they've done is they've created kind of like a temporary bridge between uh, something that was not viable today and something that will hopefully be viable in the future. So they they saved this building. They showed that there's a use that can happen. And now it's just a matter of you know incrementally building up this neighborhood and making this uh, every weekend kind of use and then an every day kind of use. Um, you know, the, the, the really recapturing this lost value. And I was, I was thoroughly impressed with it. Here's the thing. It's not even exceptional in Akron. <laughs> I mean, there's people doing this all over and there's so much of this kind of stuff going on. Uh, that's just amazing, amazing kind of work. And so, yeah, uh, I'm excited to talk about it more and highlight some of those and uh, let people know some of the great things that are going on there. Cause it's really inspiring to me. Yeah, me too. So
0: a quick rundown on upcoming events for you. This week, West Grove, Pennsylvania. Then next week, uh, Wichita, Kansas and Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, Most, if not all of those are public events. Many of them are free. So if you're in the area for any of those, uh, check them out. I'll put all the links in the show notes. Anything worth highlighting for those events, Chuck? They all look great.
1: Yeah, I actually feel bad because I do this uh, radio show here locally. And um, I I, got, I already have gotten two emails today. Um, I, I When we record, we record it ahead of time. It's three 20-minute segments that air. And today's segment, I said South Bend, Ohio, instead of Uh-oh. South Bend, Indiana. <laughs> yes, and I've been to South Bend many times. I know it's in Indiana. I'm not an idiot. Um, but I said on the radio, Ohio, and it just shows like, I'm, I'm reaching that phase of the travel season where everything is starting to blur together a little bit. Um, so like when yeah.
0: a rock musician comes on stage for an event and they're like, Hey, where am I tonight? And they have no idea
1: where they're getting It's off funny because <laughs> you think that that is, you know, how can you be such an idiot as to not know where you're at? And then you realize like, yeah, you know, it gets confusing after a while when you are traveling so many places and I, you know, I don't do what they do. So, yeah, it's, uh, I'm a little sympathetic.
0: Uh, The other event coming up that does not require any travel for you or anybody is our Ask Strong Towns webcast celebrity edition uh, with our friend Joe Minicosi of Urban 3. Um, Urban 3, these are the guys that produce those fantastic um, value per acre maps that you've probably seen on our website many times. So this is a really great opportunity. Um, if you are a Strong Town member, you should have already received an invite to this. It's taking place Monday, April 30th at 10:30 a.m. Central. Um, and if you're not a member, but you'd like to participate, just sign up to be a member and, uh, you'll get an invite. So, um, yeah, that, that should be a really fun
1: webcast. Yeah. I, there's people who just have tons of questions for Joe. And I think the idea to get him for an hour on the line and, and let people, uh, have Adam, um, that'd be fantastic. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what Joe, uh, what people ask and what Joe answers. I mean, I I get to, he's one of my best, friend, absolute best friends. I get to hang out with him a ton. So I feel like I've, uh, you know, plumb the depths of his brain to a degree, but I I, I want to see what other people come up with.
0: Yeah. And we'll be publishing the audio afterwards on our podcast. So if you can't make it, you'll still have a chance to listen. Yeah. So Chuck, let's talk about your article today about a mall that just shut down in or uh, a store within a mall that just shut down in your town. Um, This is also a conversation that's been happening in my community because the same corporation has a bunch of stores in our area. Boston Store, they're called here. And like our big main downtown anchor just shut down, so... I'm sure this is quite relevant for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, interesting. It's th- the funny thing is, and, and I think there's a little bit of frustration around here because people said, "Well, Herberger's, which is the store we had, uh, Herberger's was profitable." And you know, I heard from a, a couple of the employees who were saying things like that, like, "We're profitable. Why do they have to shut us down?" And the reason is because the parent company Bonton took on like gargantuan amounts of debt. Yeah, uh, like a, a you know a billion dollars in debt. And basically, um, you know, even though the stores, you know, the whole chain really is profitable. I mean, Yonkers is profitable. Um, Yeah, what was the store that you Boston store. Yeah. I mean, I don't know specifically about that one, but I'm, I'm assuming, I mean, you look at like the operations, they're making money every year. Um, they just ca- are coming nowhere near servicing their debt. Um, the amount of money they make it is a pittance compared to what they owe and the interest just overwhelms them. And so they've been driven into bankruptcy. Uh, the creditors, the, the store wanted essentially to liquidate some of this debt and then come back and, and return as a retailer and the creditors argued no you know we you can't just write us off you have assets we want to claim those assets and uh actually you know um use that to retire some of your debt and the judge last week agreed and so all these stores are going to be closed um their assets liquidated and uh the creditors made as as whole as they can i guess um it, the 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 downfall of this or the the outcropping of this is that our kind of one remaining, uh, clothier, uh, is, is going away. Um, someone pointed out today on the blog that, uh, we have Kohl's next door, which is interesting. Um, I suppose technically, you know, you can get clothes at Kohl's. I've never been to, I've actually, I can't say I've never been to Kohl's. I was in there once when my daughter got like school shoes Mm -hmm. But I've, I've, I've not really shopped in Kohl's. My impression of Kohl's is that they wouldn't have clothes for me. But I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong about that. But, um, you know, I, I, over the weekend, I asked uh, people here. We have a little Facebook site about the history of the community. Mm-hmm. And I asked people, um, so what clothiers used to exist? I, I remember my grandma worked at a place called the Franza Shop, which was like a I, I was, I'm going to say this kindly, like an old ladies clothes yeah. store. Um, that's, I mean, I, I, I'm sure there's like in the retail biz, there's like a different name for it, but it was like where all the, uh, the elderly women went and, uh, and bought their clothes. So my grandma worked there and I just, you know, what, what were the other places? And I was overwhelmed with just a list of the clothiers that used to be in the downtown that of course are all gone now. They were driven out of business when we opened the mall, and Herberters, Um, and they, they know they either moved there. There were a couple that moved there. Um, uh, and and I think one of them still exists there at the mall. Um, but the rest of them have closed down and gone away. Uh, There were dozens, I mean, just dozens. And it it just occurred to me again, how, you know, in pursuit of growth, in pursuit of the shiny and new, in pursuit of, you know, a, a business model that would be more efficient provide, you know, greater selection at lower prices. Um, what did we do? We traded growth for stability. Uh, we made ourselves more fragile and now we have no clothier. Um, and we used to have dozens. So, you know, it, to me, this is just like the story of America writ large yeah. in, in my hometown. Um, there's a, there's going to be a push now to go out and try to subsidize someone to move back into that, that space, you know, how do we get another retailer in there? How do we get another you know anchor tenant? Who Just knows? get the cycle going again. Yeah, look, let's let's you know what what subsidy is it going to take? And it's it's crazy because I did that thing out in New York University uh, last October with the on suburban malls uh, with mm-hmm. the uh, a bunch of retail investors, and basically there were two answers. Um, one was if you're in one of the top 50 markets, we're going to flood you with this kind of loose capital that is just flowing around everywhere and, uh, you know, try to create experience kind of malls. So like the next version of a higher end mall, but that's Mm in like a very limited number of markets, every place else, you're going to get the dollar stores and the pawn shops and the, uh, you know, the, the marginal places that you kind of milk on the way down. And, uh, my guess is that that's what we'll end up with here.
0: Yeah, this is a very familiar story for, I think, almost everybody, even people in bigger cities, for sure.
1: Well, the crazy part, and I think the part that, you know, gives us some hope, but also kind of, you know, drives the tragedy of it home. I mentioned in Akron earlier how much wealth they had in their core downtown and how they've just kind of slowly... Melted it down and, and, and turn their back on this huge endowment that their ancestors created for them. We have the same thing here. Um, you look at our core downtown and it's paying, you know, 300 some percent more taxes than the equivalent amount of acreage out at the mall. Yeah. Um, it, you know, even though We drove all these places out of business, even though we turned our backs on them, even though we've disinvested in the downtown and the core neighborhoods, even though we've run highways through the middle of the city and disconnected everything, you know, ripped down buildings for parking lots, made it real disjointed, Mm -hmm. it still is its economic powerhouse compared to the mall. And that's the mall before, you know, Herberger's closes and and we go through this, you know, additional cycle of decline. Um, We can actually go back in. And with pennies on the dollar of what we would spend subsidizing, you know, uh, success—and I use air quotes for that—success out at the mall, uh, we can start to patch this downtown back together. And I guess you, you can you can look at it as a tragedy because this was a wealthy place, like Akron was a wealthy place, and we squandered a lot of that wealth in pursuit of the shiny and new. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, if we're sitting here today in 2018, looking at it. The downtown, the core neighborhoods are fantastic investments and the amount of money we need to spend is very minimal. Uh and we can actually get this place going again. Uh and 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 not only financially have it be really successful, but make it a great place to live. I mean, we can really improve people's quality of life. So I, I think there's a there's a lesson to be learned here that is a painful one, but there's also reason for some optimism if we actually learn that lesson.
0: Right. Uh, have you been doing any interesting reading or listening lately? That's worth sharing.
1: Yes, you know, I, I, I can't even like, where did I put my phone? I, I finished a book and I was going to tell you about it, and now I can't remember what one it is. I'm, I'm actually doing one of those great courses series on World War One oh, again, okay. uh, a different, a different one on World War One. Okay, yep, this book here, and I, this is going to be in my top five for the year. Um, Atul Gawande, who is a, um, a surgeon, uh, he wrote a book called being mortal, Mm -hmm. um, medicine and what, and let me see if I can get the subtitle, what matters in the end. And I got to tell you, uh, it really changed my mind on a lot of things, opened my mind up to a lot of things that I hadn't really considered. And I'll give you one right off the bat. He starts off the book talking about his grandfather who lives in India mm-hmm. and how he's an elderly, you know, he was an elderly man, uh, had hard time seeing hard time standing and walking. Um, but he lived in his house, uh, surrounded by his family and, you know, multiple generations under one roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people would come in, you know, you would go and essentially genuflect at old grandpa, you yeah. know, um, how's your day? How's things going? Can I get you something? He was like the wise elder. You wouldn't make any major decision without consulting mm-hmm. him. And I look at this and and like in my idealized way of, of like nostalgizing the past in a sense, I look at it and I say that that's exactly how we should be living. Like that's a beautiful way to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of presents it that way at, at the beginning, then he makes this pivot and he's like, here's why that is not as idealistic as it sounds. And here's why as Americans become more affluent, they have chosen something different. And he goes through and makes that case. And it's really compelling. <laughs> like on a deep, like human level, it's very compelling and it's compelling in a way that like, I didn't want to believe, yeah. um, you know, I, like my gut wanted to say something else. Um, but he pointed it out in such like a logical way um, that it really has had me thinking very differently about what like multi-generational communities look like. Mm, okay, I-, I said this last fall, I'm very comfortable with the, uh, the Santa Ana model, um, which, you know, I was in Santa Ana last fall and, and in that city, you have an incredible level of density because you have multiple generations living under one roof. And, you know, I, I think that that is a model that humans have used throughout human history, and done it very successfully. And, uh, you know, I, I am I have a comfort level with that model. Um, but Gwandi sets up, like, reasons why that might not be the optimum model and why, given other alternatives, people might choose them. And I found that to be equally compelling. Um, and I'm, I might go back and just redo that whole section. Um, the entire book is really good, and I would say to anybody who has, uh, you know, generations that are uh, approaching the age of life and, and not even like in the next decade, but really in the next two or three or four decades, we anticipate having to make difficult decisions about life. Um, this is a fantastic book just to help you think through uh, what it means to be mortal. I mean, I, I, I found it very compelling and I'd recommend it to everybody.
0: That does sound interesting uh, dealing with all those big questions.
1: Well, I, I just said, you know, People who are elder, uh, you know, older towards the end of life. He he had many, many, many examples of younger people. Um, you know, one of the tragic ones was this mother who was diagnosed the day before she delivered her baby uh, with cancer, and you know, walked through the decisions and the decision-making process mm-hmm. and talked about you know quality of life and and what it meant to live in those last days and. It it was, it was, you know, very compelling on, on many levels. So yeah, I I think if you're someone who wants to read a very compelling book, one that will make you think and, and probably rethink some of your assumptions. Um, I, I just, I thought it was beautiful in many ways.
0: All right. Well, thanks for taking time to come on the podcast in the midst of your busy travel schedule, Chuck. I know everyone appreciates hearing from you for sure. And yeah, we'll, uh, We'll hear from you again hopefully in a few weeks and for sure on that uh, Ask Strong Towns edition webcast with Joe.
1: Fantastic. All right. Nice to talk to you. Yep. Thanks. thanks, Rachel. Take care. We need your help. If you think the Strong Towns message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign
0: up to be a member of Strong Towns at strongtowns.org.